welcome to Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I'm Melanie Young. That feels weird to say because, as you know, if you listen to the, this podcast regularly, we normally say, I'm Hal, I'm Melanie, but Hal's not with me today. I am at my mother's house helping her to get ready for surgery, and I'm going to be nursing her through that um, time. And Hal is taking care of our life and ministry and the kids and everything, so we're apart this week. So I thought this would be a great time for you and me to talk about motherhood. Particularly, I want to talk about the myths of motherhood. When I sat down to brainstorm for this session, I came up with like 25 things that women believe that makes it makes motherhood harder. And so I want to talk about those during this session. But first, let's just chat a minute about what's going on in our lives and yours. November 8th through 10th is our marriage retreat. We call it Come Away Weekend. We call it that because it is a couple's getaway and a marriage retreat all together. We give you we give you teaching and things to talk about and marriage checkup and then give you free time to talk and to spend time together and to reconnect. Because when you live busy lives like we do, you mostly need time to get away and reconnect. It's going to be at Bon Clarken, which is in the waterfall area of the North Carolina mountains, just south of Asheville. It's beautiful. And it's especially beautiful this year, that weekend, because it has been hot as Hades in the south all during September and most of October. In fact, people say it's, you know, July 95th or something. It has been so hot. And as a result, the leaves are just now beginning to change. So I think it's going to be beautiful when we're up there. I hope that you'll join us. You can go to RaisingRealMen.com slash ComeAwayFall. And the reason that it's starting to change now is we finally got some cool weather. How about you? Is it cool where you are? I was so excited for it to get cool because we had 100 degree days just a couple of weeks ago. It was unbelievable. It was unbearable. I had to run the air conditioner this week run the air conditioner at the end of October. But I was excited to wake up this morning and it was beautiful and pleasant outside. I spent some time out on mama's porch enjoying the camellias and lantanas. Yes, we have flowers in the south in the fall. And just enjoying the cool weather. I I hope that it'll stick around and we'll have at least a little bit of fall before winter comes. Winter's kind of a sloppy wet time where we live. Rain and fog and not very pleasant. Anyway, very little snow. I, I'd like for us to, to talk about myths of motherhood. One of the, one of the myths I think is kind of go, two of them that go hand in hand, is that you have to have me time, and it'll always be like this. What do I mean like this? Well, when we had four children, eight and under, Hal got a job in another town, and we couldn't sell the house before he had to start his new job. So we had the less than brilliant idea of me and the children staying at the old house and showing it, and Hal moving down where we were going to be living and starting his job. It was horrible. It was a nightmare. You know, one mom and four children, eight and under, every time we had to show the house, I had to run through the house furiously throwing things in laundry baskets and carrying them out to the car and shoving them in the car. It was really tough. And it, it was discouraging, too. I remember uh, one of our children could not fall asleep at night. It was the third. And so the older two would go to sleep pretty easily. 
I would finally nurse the baby down, get him settled down and sneak out of the bed and go in there and check. And my toddler would be lying there wide awake, feet flailing, looking at his feet, talking to himself. And it would just, I remember sitting there and just praying, just crying out in my heart, Father, please let this child sleep. He took forever to get to sleep and I would be a nervous wreck by the time he finally fell asleep. And I I just didn't feel good about going to sleep with him still awake because, you know, we have stairs and our bedrooms are upstairs and he was really little and I don't know. But anyway, he wasn't in a crib. He was in a toddler bed. Anyway, I would finally get him to sleep and then I would go downstairs and bake myself brownies and play video games until I calmed down enough to sleep because it would be so nerve wracking getting him to sleep. I was exhausted. I was utterly exhausted. And I think that we have a tendency to think that our lives will always be the way they are right this minute. I remember thinking, I just can't, I can't live like this. I can't do this. Y'all, it was a very short time. Eventually we decided, you know, we're just going to clean the house really well and we're going to close it up and we're going to move down there and live with our parents or something for a month or two till it sells. It all worked out. It was fine. And I think we, and now I look, my life is so drastically different now. That little guy who wouldn't go to sleep, now he's a father. And the one that was a baby is away at college. All those kids that were in my house now are grown and gone. Now we still have some still left at home. They're younger siblings who weren't even alive back then. But my life is drastically different. We've got all teens They can handle most of their schoolwork on their own. They're helping more than they're taking time. It's just a whole different life. It is not always going to be like it is right now. That three-year-old that is running around like a maniac, in a few years he's going to be seven and he's going to be able to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And he's going to be able to get the toddler out of the toilet while you're nursing the baby. And one day he'll, he or she, will be nine. And he'll be able to finish dinner. You know how babies always cry to nurse in the middle of a meal? He's going to be able to finish dinner. 12, he can probably cook all the meals while you've got while you've got the flu. At 16, you can send him to go get milkshakes. It changes. Your life changes. An eighth child, honestly, is easier than a, than a third. That's another myth, that more kids is harder and worse. Not true. Kids get easier the more you have of them, I think. But anyway, it's not going to be the same. Also, this idea that you have to have me time. I think I know how you feel. I have felt that way. When do I get to do anything for me? Sometimes I feel like I feel like the two-year-old who's just like, somebody pay attention to me. Let me do what I want to do. But as a Christian, I look and I look at what Jesus said, and he said, take up your cross and follow me. And whenever I start feeling sorry for myself and thinking, when do my desires get a turn? When do we get to do what I want to do? I think about my brothers and sisters in North Korea, you know, who can't even worship without fear that somebody's going to knock on the door and take them or their kids away. And I realize I need to suck it up. You know, we don't need... Jesus and chocolate or wine and Jesus 
We need Jesus. Because the Lord is able, you know, there's a psalm that means a lot to me. It says, he gives to his beloved, he gives to his beloved sleep. Other translations say he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. The first part of that says, it is vain to rise up early and to stay and to, and to keep to your toils late. I'm paraphrasing. Because he gives to his beloved in their sleep. You know, that the Lord does not, does not need our effort or worry or anxiety to bless us. And so we don't have to, he can restore our strength like the eagles, even when we're napping beside our children. And we don't have to have a latte or whatever it is that we think is getting us through it. Really what's getting us through it is the Holy Spirit. And he's enough. And he will reach out to you and restore your soul and delight in you, beloved child, and love you when you are a hot mess sitting in your rocking chair nursing a baby who won't go to sleep and your hair is standing on end and and you feel fat and unloving and unloving and like a failure the Lord says that he loves us, that he gently leads those that are with young. And so I think we're looking for our comfort in the wrong place. Having, getting our own way is not where we get real results. It's not where we get real restoration. Where we get real restoration is in the word of God. And that was hard for me to realize that you know, when I was so stressed out again during that time when we had four kids eight and under and I was trying to manage things by myself, you know, I thought I didn't have time to have devotions. I never could remember. And I remember praying. I was walking up the stairs, big pregnant, with a, ba- with a toddler on my hip and praying, Lord, just if you'll just remind me at a time I can do it, I won't say no and I will have and I will spend time in your word. I think he's reminded me every day since then. And that child, and like I said, those kids are all adults now. So it's been a long time. It's been 20-something years. For usually first thing in the morning when I first open my eyes, and I found that, put your Bible in the bathroom if you have to. That's what I do. That when I lay my eyes on the Word of God first thing in the morning, it gets my heart right and prepares my heart for the day. So it's a myth that you don't have to have devotions. It's okay not to have devotions. It's a myth that church can wait. You know, we need to be in the fellowship of believers. We need to have that accountability. We need to have people who know us well enough to say, hey, whoa, what's going on here? Are you glorifying God with that attitude? We need to have people that we trust enough to say, you know what, I'm losing it. You need to pray for me. And we get that at church. And you may not be near a perfect church, I don't think any of us are any of us are near a perfect church, but you may not be have your ideal church, the church you would choose near you, but you need to be in a church of some kind. And you really you need to give your kids that example. You know, some of our kids' friends have talked about, you know, their parents being out of church for long periods of time and and what effect it had on them as kids, even understanding, you know, what what the Lord was like, what the Lord expected of them. And making it very awkward for them to get involved in church as they got older. 
So what's another myth we can talk about? Um, okay, here's one. Babies ruin your body. I remember sitting with a friend of mine. We had both, we were both 45. We were both pregnant or 44 and about, about to turn 45. And Hal snapped a picture of us and he said, you know what? You girls don't look like any different than you did when you met 20 years ago. The truth of the matter is that having babies and being in that hormonal state of not having estrogen, the estrogen progesterone cycle every single month, going through actually is good for your body. People who have a lot of babies have less cancer, but less cancer of the reproductive system, less breast cancer if you nurse your babies. It keeps your skin young looking and it keeps you healthy because you're running after them. So babies don't ruin your body. It's no, that's another myth. Um, let's see. What's another one? One Okay, that one's too hard, too too long to tackle before the end. I think another myth is that other caregivers are just as good as you are. Do you know there's actually research about this? They did a research study, and they matched. They did a match population of moms. I think it was in Kenya, moms who were living in the metropolitan lifestyle, well educated, good jobs, but they put their babies in daycare very shortly after birth. And the babies were in daycare or preschool um, throughout their pre-education years, and the moms were working. And uh, the other population was moms that lived in a little village. When they had their babies, they'd strap the babies to their back, and they worked in the fields, but the babies were with them. The children played at their feet as they were working. They were with their moms until they went until they went to school. Fascinating, but. The mother, the children who were with their mothers, even working with their mothers, but with their mothers, outstripped the others on every measure, educationally, socially. They were more likely to be successful academically. They were more likely to be successful socially. They were less likely to get in trouble with the law, less likely to have negative um, social things such as joining gangs. That that time, and you think, wait, wait, wait that these moms were educated and these kids were, were being cared for by professionals. Y'all, no professional can be what you are, and that's their mama. And so it's a myth that other caregivers are as good as you are because nobody can take your place. Now, we'll be back in just a minute to talk about some things about the teen years and about eating organically and all sorts of interesting things. After the break, we're going to thank our sponsor for just a moment. Thank you. You're listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Melanie Young. And when Hal's not here to tell me not to do controversial stuff, we're going to talk about all the controversial stuff today about motherhood. We're talking about myths of motherhood. And one of the myths is that the most important thing you can do as a mother is to give your kids organic, healthy food to eat. Now, hang on. I know you're thinking, now, wait a minute. Is that, yes, that's a good thing. Hey, do it. If you can do it, do it. It's a good thing to eat healthy. Food is good. Food is medicine, all right? But, but, 
The Word of God tells us that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out. And we need to make sure that we don't get things out of the right order. Sometimes you're not going to be able to afford to buy your kids healthy organic food. We've been through seasons like that. And when you do that, you pray and you say, Lord, bless this food to nourish our bodies and protect us from it. (laughs) And sometimes you're going to be too strung out and you're going to have to drive through and get junk food. In which case you pray and you say, thank you, the Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for this food you've given us. Please bless it to nourish our bodies. And sometimes you're going to just be too sick to care. And you're going to say, y'all heat up some hot dogs. And you're going to pray and you're going to say, thank you, Lord, for providing this food for our kids. And so do the best you can, but don't beat yourself up if you can't. Because I remember being really freaked out when our oldest was a baby. You know, I was so careful about what he ate. I wanted him to like all the best stuff. And you know what, guys? Our kids love vegetables. They love good food. They love healthy food. We feed them very well. But we've had times that we've served them total junk. And you know what? They're still okay. So don't beat yourself up over it. It's a myth that that's the most important thing you can do. The most important thing you can do is to build a relationship with your kids and to teach them about Jesus Christ. Because you got to have both. You've got to have a relationship with them and you've, in order for them to listen to you, and you've got to disciple them and teach them what's right. And that's one of the myths, too, that being strict is more important than building relationship. And the other side of that myth is that being gentle is more important than teaching right and wrong. You know, that the truth of the matter is you've got to teach right and wrong in the context of relationship. And that means you've got to find a balance. You have to find a way to let your kids know that they can trust you and that you really have their best interest at heart, and that you love them. And more than that, that you like them, that you enjoy them, that you care about them, that you're grateful God gave them to you. And when you talk about Jesus in the context of that kind of relationship, they want to hear it. They want to know what makes their mama that way. And so you got to teach them right from wrong, but you got to do it in the context of relationship. Okay, here's another myth. The teen years are horrible. I remember walking with the kids, two of them in a double stroller, one hanging on to each side, sweat rolling down my back. We were at the zoo, and the animals were way smarter than we were. They were hiding from the heat, and we didn't see an animal at all. And it was an awful day. And the kids were whiny, and I was whiny. And a mom looked at me, and she said, Honey, you think it's hard now. Wait till they're teens. And I just thought, that's, then shoot me. I can't do any harder than this. It's impossible. What I didn't know is that, yeah, the teens can be really brutally hard, but they don't have to be. I think a lot of parent-child relationships are broken during the preteen years. And when they are, the teen years tend to get worse and worse. Listen, when your relationship with your child is broken, things get bad quick because they've got no motivation to please you. They've got no motivation to do what's right. And, But if you can get through those preteen years with your relationship intact, or if you can rebuild a relationship with your teens, the teens can be wonderful. You know, our sixth and seventh child are in that stage right now, and it's great. We're having a blast. They're so much fun. 
And so it's a myth that the teen years have to be horrible. They don't have to be horrible. They can be. But if you see them getting horrible, then step back and work on relationship. And we've got some podcasts about that. Um, our book, No Longer Little, talks about that at length, if you don't have that. But you need to work on relationship if the teen years are horrible. Because when they leave home, that's all you got. It's a myth that you're missing something by being with your kids, by staying with them and homeschooling them and working from home instead of away from them or spending all the time you can get with them. You know, I I was... I've noticed watching television programs lately. I, I watch Netflix or Amazon Prime, Prime videos sometimes while I'm working on finances because it uses two parts of my brain. I'm very easily distracted if I don't have enough input. And I've noticed that in every single one of them recently, if there is a crisis where two people love each other, but the job is a problem, in every single one of them, the, the woman decides... And everything made in the past 10 years. The woman decides, no, my career is more important. I'm going to sacrifice the relationship. And it breaks my heart. Because there are seasons, folks. There are seasons of life. And these these years that you have with your children when they're growing up are absolutely irreplaceable. When they leave home, if you don't have a good relationship with them, you don't have kids. I mean, they won't call you. They won't come see you. You can't make them. And the the memories you build during those years at home, they're critically important. You know, Hale and I could not have done what we do, traveling all over the world and speaking, when our kids were little. And I decided I was going to stay with our children, and I was going to raise them. By the time we had teens and adults and teens and littles 10 years ago when we started this ministry, um, it was easier because we could speak and we hand the baby and the toddler to teens to help us. We had help. And so what's, what is impo- impossible without sacrificing your family when they're all little is very possible and doable as they get older. And now five of our kids are adults. We only have three at home. And we're living a whole different life. I can say, oh, Gus, sorry, my mama needs me for a few days. See y'all in a few days. And walk out the door and everybody's fine. And so don't, you are not missing anything. In fact, it's the people who aren't where you are that are missing things. You are seeing the first. You're there when they need a kiss. You're there when they ask about the Lord. You're not missing a thing. And so don't get discouraged about that. You know, another myth similar to the me time is you have to have dates. You have to have vacations. Again, it's seasons of life, honey. There were times when we lived 2,000 miles away from our family and date night, and we didn't know a soul, and date nights were an impossibility. And you know what? We did fine. We'd have special times after we put the kids to bed or early in the morning before they got up. And we did, it's okay. And there are times that we have had spectacular vacations. And there are times that we could, that our vacation was a staycation at home. And we did fine. There are going to be times in your life when you have more money and times when you have less and times when you have more time and times when you have less. 
and it's okay. It's not always going to be like this. I think the biggest myth that moms hear, though, is that you aren't enough. That somehow you're going to ruin your kids' lives. You aren't enough for them. You can't meet their needs. You can't homeschool them. They need somebody else to teach them about Jesus. They need somebody else to teach them how to, how to do math. That somehow that you're not enough, that you're not good enough. You know what? It's true. You're not enough. That's not a myth. But the answer is not to quit. Or get, an, or get a professional, or go to an expert, the answer is that God is enough. He does not say, I will never give you more than you can bear. He doesn't say that. But he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he says, he, he, like we talked about earlier, he will gently lead those that are with young. And so the answer is not, get somebody else to do it because you're not good enough. The answer is that God is good enough, that Jesus met all the requirements of the law for us. He was perfectly obedient for us in our place. And God delights in us because he sees us through the righteousness of Christ. And so when you don't feel like you're enough, you need to turn to God and say, Lord, I got nothing. I need you. I need you to be strong in my child's life. I need you to be strong and control my tongue. I need you to be strong and show and encourage my husband. I need you to give me the strength to get my laundry done. I need you to give me the strength to wash another sink full of dishes or to teach my children how to do it. I need you, Lord, to encourage me when everyone's throwing up and I feel like a galley slave. And the Lord looks down on us with love. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because he doesn't expect more of us than we've got. He knows we're but dust. He understands us. He made us. And he loves us. And so he's not up there saying, well, sorry, but you get a C minus today, Melanie. No, he's looking at me with mercy and compassion as his beloved daughter. And you know what? That, just knowing that, gives me the strength to keep going. And so ladies, gentlemen, if any of you are listening, get in the Word. Get in the Word of God. Sing praises to Him as you go about your day. Put a bunch of hymns in your Spotify. Grab a hymnal. And put it beside the the chair where you sit. Sing praises to God. Pray. Put your Bible in the bathroom and read it first thing in the morning. But spend time with the Lord because that is where the strength of motherhood comes. That is what you really need. You need that more than you need a newer vehicle or a vacation or a date night or me time or a latte or a glass of wine, or anything else, what you need is Jesus. Because he's enough. And he will glorify your labor. You know, it says, I think in Ephesians, that we should do our work as uh, not, not as men pleasers, but we should do our work as unto the Lord. And he sees you there. 
He sees you mopping up the spit up. He sees you cleaning the bathrooms. And he's there with you. And he loves you. I appreciate you tuning in today to Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I hope that you will consider joining us for our Come Away Weekend, November 8th through 10th at Bon Clarkin, North Carolina. It's not too late to sign up. You can go to RaisingRealMen.com slash ComeAwayFall. And also remember, as it's getting close to Christmas, we're putting a bunch of new stuff up on the website in the next week. And we're going to, if you are not on our newsletter list, please quickly run over to the website and get on our newsletter list because you will hear about our sales and giveaways and fun things we do there. Our email subscribers are our VIPs. They're the ones that hear first. So be sure to subscribe and take a moment if you, and so remember, if you need excellent, fun, unique character building gifts, head out to raisingrealmen.com slash shop. Or for our subscription box that teaches artisanal skills to teens, and they're a lot of fun, go to craftsmancrate.com. To advice to speak, go to helenmelanie.com. And um, it would be a huge help to us if you would take a minute and go review our podcast. If you listen on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio, you can go over there, review the podcast so other people can find us too. Thank you very much for tuning in. Next week, it'll be Hal and Melanie again. But today, I'm Melanie Young, and this has been Making Biblical Family Life Practical. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.